almost crashing a wine delivery van to see a Porsche 959. Welcome to the Air Fuel Spark Podcast. This week, we'll get the formalities out of the way, introduce ourselves, talk automotive upbringing, the bright future of endurance racing, and offer some hot takes for the 2023 F1 season. Let's get it started. My name is Tim, and over there is Mike. Mike. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Mike, tell us why we're here and what we're doing. Excellent. We like because cars. I have, I have no idea. I don't know. We like cars. We like <laughs> yeah, cars a lot. We do. We really, 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 really like cars. It's kind of a problem. We like talking about them, which is really the reason why we are sitting here today. We like talking yeah. about them with our friends. So mm-hmm. as time goes on, you'll hear more and more voices kind of pop on. Oh, yeah. Talk about cars. Right. Just car guys doing what we do best. Sure. So... I'll get to it. Right to it. We'll, do, we'll go for the 60-second. I'll see if I can keep this 60-second intro. Sure. Live in Philly. Uh, I'm a diehard Porsche guy. Diehard car guy, of course. Porsche specifically. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, advertising creative by day. Longtime musician by night. Uh, these days, that really doesn't include a whole heck of a lot. But, you know, still, uh, still love playing. And, um, yeah, huge racing guy. Huge car guy. And, uh, yeah. My turn. Oh, boy. So I, too, live in Philly. Uh, I like it here. Uh, I have a lot of friends here, which is why I moved here. Uh, in my day job, I write technical documentation for a tech company, which is you know, it's writing. It's good. Uh, but outside of work, um, if it's a camera or a car, I'm into it, or if it's outside. So I'm into filming. Uh, I love photography. I love flying drones. I love to hike. Uh, but this is a car podcast, so we'll stay on cars. Um, I love, you know, car media. I've done it for years. I do. I, I, I shoot cars for both photo and video. I love to attend races and shoot photos there. And I love uh, sim racing. When I'm actually inside and not outside, I will uh, get on my sim rig and um, race poorly, but I am improving. It's okay. I, I love the idea of sim racing. Uh, I'm old school where I can I can do well with controller. I'm still adjusting to that whole steering wheel thing, which, you know, it's really interesting. Like, you can get behind the wheel of a car, which we do every single day, and it just feels like second nature. Yet, you translate it to a video game, and I smack the walls more than, you know, my dad did when I was eight and playing Gran Turismo <laughs> with him, and he couldn't figure out. So, I get it. The tables have been turned. I totally get it. You adapt quickly. I do. Yeah. You know, I am, I'm still intent to buy your wheel in Good. a few weeks, so Good. see, I'll make the crossover Love a few it. years late. Love to hear it. Now, Mike, you have this word, uh, taproot, taproot. Uh, which is a great word. Never Love heard, it. heard it before, but I'm going to go with it. It uh, is the genesis. Tell me your automotive taproot story. Uh, so car w- apparently was my first word. Um, obviously, I, I have no... Uh, evidence of this, but my dad does tell me it was my first word, and it was said in a Boston accent. Now, I'm not from Boston. I don't know why it came out of a Boston accent, but it came out as ka. And if I had to guess, it comes from the fact that probably my dad started giving me Hot Wheels at like, I don't, I don't know, six months old or so. And the reason I can take that guess is I'm doing the same thing now with my son, who is going on three, um, and he is car obsessed. It's they great. They grow up so fast. They grow up so fast. It's crazy. But I'm going to have to guess that's probably how it began, because as far back as I can remember, there were cars, uh, all kinds of cars, sports cars, off-road, um, everything that I can imagine, uh, I loved. And it's funny. I, I'm going to say something crazy here. I started out as a Ferrari guy. I know. You know me now. You know me. Inconceivable. You've known me a, a, a million years now. And, you know, you know, for as long as you know me, I've been this portion up. I started out as a Ferrari guy because my dad used to take me to a, uh, a Ferrari dealer by our house in Florida. And 
we made friends with two of the sales guys. And this is obviously, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, way back before this whole game of allocations began. And now Oof. you walk into a dealer and kind of turn their noses up at you. But um, so they used to take me out for rides. I remember getting a ride in a 550 Marinello for my birthday. Um, I remember going to a vintage racing weekend. They took me up and down the pit lane in a 355 Challenge car. It's great. I mean, listen, it was still it was 30 miles an hour, but simpler time, simpler times. Um, so that's the nineties that just helped to fuel the fire, you know? And as I grew older, uh, we didn't have any fun cars in the house growing up until I was about 11. Uh, my dad bought a 2001 WRX when they hit the States. And as we began to go to meets and go to cars and coffee and things like that, I really fell for the community of it, which is, you know, what we talk about also mm-hmm. often is why we're here. hundred percent. Uh, just car guys and gals just enjoying what we love. And I mean, the motorsports part of it too, you can guess with loving cars. Mm-hmm. I watched every kind of racing growing up. You know, I remember waking up early on Sunday mornings to watch Formula One uh, and watching, you know, kart back in the day and, and World Rally and, and all that fun stuff, endurance racing as well. And, you know, we'll get a little bit more into that. But uh, yeah, just since since I was younger, this has kind of been kind of been life. But Okay. Cool. So it's, it's my turn. Is it? it is your turn. Let's hear your taproot story. Right. I know. I know you're you're a little <laughs> little bit of a different path, and yes, I like that for sure. That's why we're all right. So when I was three, um, I could name pretty much every car in the parking lot. When I would go to the mall, for example, with my grandmother or my parents, uh, my dad let me steer their cars down the driveway um, carefully. Obviously, back in the day, um, and that sort of bloomed into a general love of cars. I had no real brand affiliation back in the day, but I just loved the magazines. I loved getting the trading cards and the matchbox cars. Uh, funny story, in about fourth grade, I watched Goldeneye, or sorry, Goldfinger for the first time, and there's a scene where they crush a car into a car press, and then I put all of my matchbox cars into a vice grip yeah. to watch them crush. So they kind of went away. But, uh, you know, fast forward several years, uh, Fast and the Furious uh, brought me into car modification. And I obsessed for years. I had all the uh, sport compact car magazines and, you know, the, the street tuner, and all those, like, all that media around tuning cars. Uh, but then Gran Turismo kind of reined in the ricer, so to speak, and brought about the tuner, where I actually learned how suspensions work and how engine tuning works and gearing. Um, and I always have had fun cars since I was, like, 17. Um, and I always will. Uh, except when I don't, because I would love to have a nice practical daily for some overlanding in the future. But anyway, I'll always have a, a fun car of some kind. Well, on when and you off. have the overlander, then you have race car on the side too. That's true. That's that's the goal. We're aiming for because that. Race car. Exactly. And uh, as far as racing goes, I am a late uh, bloomer for, uh, in in racing. I I've I, I was always peripherally into it, and I knew some names throughout my childhood and you know in high school. And then in college, um, I began watching Formula One because of Top Gear, and my father loved uh, F1, so I began watching it, and it was uh, the uh, 2011 Grand Prix of Canada, where uh, Button was essentially at the back of the field, came up and passed Vettel on the last lap to win. That's sort of the keystone moment I was hooked uh, from then on. So I've watched F1 and various other series, we'll get more into that, but that's kind of a very brief take at my history and of course also in about 2011 i bought my first sim racing wheel so that brought me into like how the flags work and how racing itself works and how to not be a dick on the racetrack i mean in most cases so that's kind of my whole little backdrop um 
Now our, our next section here is our perfect three car garage. Oh yes. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it to you first. Oh, I'm gonna keep talking. Oh boy, here we go. Okay, so perfect three car garage. It does change every week or by the day. You know, I get the email every morning from like picking a trailer. I'm like, oh, that's great. But if I had to pick three right now, uh, the project car would be the Lexus IS300 Sport Cross from mm. the 2000s, which okay. there weren't many of that car sold in the wagon format here. It's maybe 2,000 or so, but they're still pretty cheap. And I would do the full uh, 2JZ GTE, which is the super turbo motor, because it has the NA super motor, but I'll just, before I get too in the weeds, that's what I would get for a project car, because there's always something to do with that. And a fun, fast turbo wagon in line six, come on. Um, reliable, fun car, Cayman GT4. I have built that car so many times, almost every day on the Porsche side. It's, it's such wishful thinking. Uh, chalk is the color I want. Mm. Uh, and then the Overland and Daily is the Trident True Lexus GX460. Uh, I would get one used because they're bulletproof. So rooftop tent, uh, 4G modem, battery bank, go off grid for a couple days. So that's my current three-car garage. But, of course, you're also here on this podcast, so I want to hear yours. Okay, so first one is... I don't know. I guess it's a typical answer, but uh, I'll get more into the reasoning reasoning of it. Sports car wise, it's it's got to be a 911, preferably an, an 80s era 911. Never saw that coming. Never saw that coming based on the few that I've owned. Um they're just they're such a Swiss army knife, you know, you can kind of toss them around in any kind of condition. Um, you know, they're they're historically, of course, if you've never driven one, they are uh they could be a handful, but they're a blast, um super versatile relatively easy to work on uh and just a, a true classic you know I, I have an 84 right now and love it i had an 83 before that and uh they're just they're fantastic cars now you go overlanding i go maybe overlanding light we'll call it that but it's got to be second car is, is a 90s defender um yeah i remember growing up so next to that ferrari dealership i used to go to mm-hmm. was a land rover dealer yep and i distinctly remember you know, back then they had kind of the the like slanted uh, wood planks that they mm-hmm. would display the cars on, and they had oh, the yeah. big hills that you know, you do a test drive, but it was literally you were going up these hills, and they look were look what you, you can do with our car exactly. And I just remember they had a bright yellow Defender uh, out front for a number of months, and that thing was just it was so cool. They're you know great family cars are good if you want to take them out on the weekends, take the kids to soccer practice, mm-hmm. awesome. If you want to take them off roading, awesome. Just yep. Cool. Yeah. And just a staple of my childhood. So. Love it. And then the practical car. This is going to be a, a left fielder, but I got to go a, a new Subaru Forester Sport, which is pretty wild uh, I, and, and boring, if you want to say. But I, I've had it's a long a flat time. flat engine, so it's, it's on brand. flat engine. It's on brand. You're right. But, I mean, Subarus are, are bulletproof. Um, yeah. My brother and sister-in-law actually. Mostly. Mostly. As I've <laughs> had gasket issues on some of the older ones. We yeah. know that. Uh, but my brother and sister-in-law have a, a Forester Sport. I've gone driven, driven it a few times. And it is surprisingly peppy for, you know, whatever, a four-cylinder with yeah. 170 horsepower. Um, and a CVT. And a CVT, right. But just fun little car. You yeah. know, a lot of space. Uh, and, you know, same same bulletproof Subaru motor and, and drivetrain and everything. So, yeah, I would have to go Forester Sport for the everyday. And, you know, I am not admitting to anything here, but I had one of those as a loaner car, and uh, they are pretty good off-road. They're not bad. That's all I'll say. They're really not bad. <laughs> not bad. I don't want to, like, you know, have super enough to, hey, that was you with that loaner car with the ripped-out <laughs> body cladding. No, we'll, no. We'll, just, we'll have to edit this part out. That was the, next, that was the next guy. It wasn't me. 
So let's talk motorsports for a little bit. Oh, I love it. I mean, we're going to circle back around here. You know, you talked about 2011 Canada. Um, so that was a memory. I'm going to I'm going to dive into memories here for a second. And one thing that we um, we've talked about is now with the resurgence of the hypercar era in endurance racing, it's kind of taken us back a little bit to those late 90s, early 2000s, which is when I started watching endurance racing. You know, you think back to those battles at, at Daytona, the Riley and Scotts versus the 333 SPs. And then, you know, early 2000s, the many iterations of the R8 back then versus the, the BMW V12 LMRs and all those amazing prototype racers. And it's great because now we're seeing that resurgence of, you know, eight, eight or nine, 10, 11 cars in a field, you know, from four or five different manufacturers. It's great. Ferrari's back in the mix now, which is great to see. So I loved watching endurance back in the day because, you know, over 24 hours, it was kind of anyone's game. Whoever was on that still is, still is. And we're seeing that now, you know, there was that period of time over the last probably five or six years. It's largely been Toyota and endurance racing. You know, Alpine has been in the mix a little bit too. But that 2015 when like they almost finished. Almost. Do you remember that? I I it's like the like almost like the, the next to last lap and they broke down on the start finish straight. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Not to bring up bad memories for Toyota fans, uh, but that happened anyway. Go ahead. You're right. You're no, right. That's no, the spirit I mean, of, of that kind of racing. Spirit of the of the kind of racing of that. You know, you go into and the the green flag drops and you're like, all right, well, there's only three cars in class, so one of these three guys is here's your podium already. Even if one right. guy retires on the next lap it's kind of foregone it's kind of foregone but now you're really seeing a, a wide open field which is excellent um and then, i mean that same era of f1 for me too i know i we talk about mm-hmm. um you know i i got into it a little bit earlier but i remember those you know late 90s battles of schumacher versus yep, hockenden for sure um which is really what drew me into the sport and it's funny i i probably stopped watching for a while which is about when you started so yeah between us, we got about 20 years of memories. For sure. We, you know, we'll fill in each other's gaps here and there. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's that's really what has, has kept me going you know, through yeah. all these years and, and really what I enjoy from a motorsports standpoint. I mean, World Rally 2... Uh, you know, my dad bought it. I said bought a 2001 WRX when mm-hmm. they hit the States, and that was like, boom, open up the world to Subaru, you know, yep. when I'm watching... Uh, you know, those early 2000s, again, mm-hmm. of, you know, Solberg and, and sure. Burns and, and all those guys. And speaking of F1, I remember watching Carlos Sainz Sr. Yeah. You know, driving his Toyota Corollas back sure. then. Um, also, another another really great era of motorsports that WRC, is, I think, has some catch-up to do to some of these others. You know, it, it's kind of become a little bit of, of a one- or two-horse race these yeah. days. But and, and the coverage in America, at least, isn't that great. It's not. So it's it's I'll kind of hard to, to get a hold of, but yeah. no, yeah. there's no speed vision anymore. No, unfortunately, it's all just amateur folks. I mean, well, not unfortunately, it's a lot of folks on YouTube who are dedicated and they get clips of this all day long. So you yes. can go on YouTube and find just clips and clips and clips and clips. Which but. is the one thing we we didn't have growing up is you know we didn't have that that wealth of YouTube to go back and watch all these races. It was right. whatever now was we on. do. Now yeah. we do. We can go mm-hmm. go way back into sixties uh, and seventies. So yeah. I'm going to turn it over to you. Memories yeah. of watching of, of God knows what growing up. Racing growing up. It wasn't so much watching racing as it was playing racing games. Uh, I was peripherally into like rally and some circuit racing, uh, again, through games, like a Colin McRae uh, rally oh, yeah. uh, and Gran Turismo, which I've said before. Um, but the first big aha moment, I mean, I watched F1 in 2010 towards the end when Vettel got his first of four. 
And uh, I kind of began 2011 on and off, uh, but then it was that race in Canada where I just like, now I get it. Because I think that a lot of folks need to have that one race because there's a lot of races that, that we all watch and they're, they're races. You know, they're, not, no, they're pretty straightforward, nothing crazy. But then one, that one race comes along where it's like, oh, now I get it. Now mm-hmm. I understand why people just buy the shirts and they obsess over lap times. That's the race that did it. Um, so that kind of opened the floodgates because then I would watch uh, at the time GP2. Oh, yeah. Now F2. And uh, I would watch endurance. That's when I got way into Le Mans and all the endurance racing. It's great. Um, and I just got more into, again, sim racing, which led me to watch you know rally as well. Um, and I have been to several rallies. And uh, they, they were my first big in-person uh, racing events as, as a rally. And I just love hearing that first car off in the woods, and then you just see it coming down, just kicking up all oh, its huge cloud of dust. I don't know. I, I can go on for days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so growing up, uh, not really so much racing in specific. or Yeah, so, um, but it, I came late to it, and uh, it stuck with me, unfortunately, like a like a nasty bug uh, ever since. Yep. Yeah. All right, so here we go. There we're going to do, do rapid fire. Oh, my God. Three questions. Oh, my God. Okay. Favorite driver. Uh-huh. Favorite team, uh-huh, and favorite specific race car. Okay, if you have a great story behind them, I'd love to hear it. Hockenden, yes, because I just like the guys from Finland. I don't know why. I guess I just feel connected to them. Uh, McLaren always will be, and the Mazda seven eight seven B. Oh my God! Yeah, that sounds the noise. The noise, and it won too. So like, it wasn't just the noise. It won Le Mans in nineteen ninety one. I think. Uh huh. The noise. I have to was, go back uh, to noise yeah, the for noise. A second. Yes, it, the noise. Right, su- incredibly successful. Mm hmm. Yep. Um, beautiful, gorgeous car with that Such renowned great, livery. Yeah, great, that, I would say the renowned livery. Mm-hmm. Always one of my favorites. Um, but there is just there are those cars in history that you remember that note. Uh huh. You remember that engine note, and it sticks in you your can brain. Bring it out of a crowd, yeah. And that like, high pitched, mm, rotary. That rotary. Johnny Herbert drove it again in 2016, I think. Was that good at Goodwood or no? That was at Le Mans. That was at Le Mans. He drove that in like a like a promo lap of okay. the racetrack, yeah. but he still let it loose. And hearing that thing on modern sound recording equipment just makes it that much better. It's crazy. I've seen I think a few videos of it when it's ran at one. Uh, one of them has run at Goodwood over the years. Oh, okay, yeah. Even at twenty five percent throttle. Oh, there's sure. Just nothing it's like it. so distinct, and it's so it just makes your hair stand up. I just oh love it. I like but it. before we keep going on that. I don't know yours. Go. Okay, great. So driver, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. Yes. So I, I remember, uh, you know, starting on on fiery Colombian, not, not K K A R T, but rather cart back in the day uh-huh. when uh, I have to dig back into the history. But there was that kind of that split between IndyCar and then cart came along, um, and focused a little bit more on the on the road courses versus Indy yep. was a little bit more on mm-hmm. on ovals, mm-hmm. but. I remember watching, uh, you know, Montoya come in driving for Chip Ganassi, and there's just such a personality to him. I mean, I mm. remember I, there was a Target commercial where he's he escapes, 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 escapes. And just great <laughs> I personality. Yeah. I haven't I, seen that one. I'll have to go oh, back and watch. Man, I remember that one that stuck back and that stuck stuck with me all these years and stuff. But just killer personality, amazing yeah. driver behind the wheel, really fiery, super competitive, yep, super yep. sharp, yep. Um, just a fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some guys who are so incredibly technical and clinical with yep. it. I mean, mm-hmm. we're seeing it nowadays with Verstappen. Like sure. he's what we've talked about. He, as soon as he's out of a race car, he's onto a Simbergen. They're so yeah. clinical, but yeah, JPM had it. that, that fire inside. It was a 
Yeah. He's a fighter. He was, and not to demean other other racers, but he has personality. Personality, and it's more so than the average racer that is missing these days. We'll get into that another time. Yeah, but it, yeah. I think some of that is missing from from today's motorsports. But yeah, always one of my favorites. As far mm-hmm. as team goes, I've always been a big Williams fan, and I realize yeah. that these days Same. they're not where they were in you know the eighties and, and early nineties, mm-hmm. but they're on the rise. You know, again, yeah. You Good driver lineup, um, but I've always liked the the family aspect of that team, you know, and, and you see it throughout multiple teams in motorsports. But yep. you know, rest in peace, Frank. Um, yes, yes. Just a really fun team, fun yeah. team to watch. Yeah. I always enjoyed them, uh, and the race car. So this one's interesting because I don't think it actually really ever competed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's the Jaguar XJ13. Built, I think it was a 66. And oh, like the real sexy flat pancake one? The sexy flat pancake. Yes, that's it. I remember that's that. It. And yeah. I remember actually first discovering that car through, I want to say it was Gran Turismo 4. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it it doesn't have much of a competition, much if any of a competition history. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of a lesser known amongst, you know, the 60s era uh, sports prototypes. Yeah. But just an incredible design. The lines of it, it's got, I don't know, I think it's like a five liter V12 mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And so the reason I believe why it never made it to competition is I think by the time development was was nearing the end, the FIA had changed rules and class. I think it had to go down to like a three liter. We've missed several cars because of that. Yeah, yeah. Stage. So it was, it, by the time that happened, I think ultimately at that point, you know, Jaguar said we've sunk X amount of dollars into this. We're not ready to go back and re-engineer the engine. So yeah. Uh, I don't believe it ever made it to competition, but mm-hmm. there's I think one. It's one of one. One was one of one. It was, it was manufactured. I believe it got into a crash. It was rebodied. I think mm. several years later. I have to yeah. really dive back into the history of it, but it has been under long term ownership. I forget what the price someone had offered. A, there was a bid. There was a bid of of five six million. Five, six million. And this was years ago. At this yeah. point, this and was I think like two thousands something maybe? like that. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe ten or fifteen years ago. So you figure these days, you know, that's gotta multiply a little bit. But uh, oh, no, for sure, it's it's remained under long term ownership and uh, just an absolutely stunning, stunning, perfect example of sixties sports prototypes. And uh, if you if you find that car on Wikipedia. There's a photo of it being driven by Kazunori Yamauchi, maker yes. of Gran Turismo. Yes. So, a fun connection there. And you got to wonder. Lucky guy. Yeah. And you got to wonder, you know, the inclusion of that car in that game, you know, what what did it do for the. I mean, if you, I'm mm. sure there's many, many kids out there like me who are just like, oh my God. Yeah. This green flat pancake of a beauty. God, there's one car that we should feature in the future called the Ital Design Shigira, which I. Yes. Raced in Need for Speed 3, Hot Pursuit. I do remember that one, Never too. even seen it after that, so who knows? Anyway, not to detract from the Jaguar, but yeah, there's a lot of cars that we learn about through games. Well, it's funny you... So I didn't learn about this one through Grand Chess, but it's funny you bring up a Design. I just saw something on uh, online yesterday. Someone mm-hmm. had posted a picture. A Design basically revamped uh, a GTR a few years like ago. Like a Nissan GTR. Yes. And there was like 20 of them made i can't remember what it was what, what the badge was th- on it oh but yeah huh. looks a little bit different it looks like the concept gtr it looks like the concept gtr right that is funky and i think there was supposed to be <sighs> 50 made at a million a piece there was only 20 or something I can't like tell that if i like but, it or hate it <laughs> i don't know I, 
thought it was really cool. The looking. front's kind of nice. But it's interesting. You, you bring it's up a like tile a design. And I was like, oh, I haven't heard a tile design in years until yesterday. Uh, yeah. And then go. it comes up and it's a Nissan GTR. I drive one. I, someone handed me the keys that Wednesday. It's no. a conversation piece for sure. Oh, yeah. You'd be the hero at Cars and Coffee every week. Yes, I you certainly would. Oh, yeah. All right, let's switch gears real quick. No pun intended. <laughs> I see what you did. Let's it's talk. A, it's a car podcast. In talking Ugh. F1 of the 90s, let's talk about F1 2023 a little bit. <laughs> I feel like the race that we just watched needs its own episode. We just we just finished watching Australia. It was a shit show. It was a shit show. It was. It was absolutely <laughs> entertaining, but a shit show. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as far as the procedure, the the restart. Multiple research. Let's go with the general year first. Yeah, then we'll, we'll, dial we'll get in. to that. So, general, uh, so I'm going to give a, a real quick hot take. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I'm going to give two hot takes. That, go. You know, we're, t- we're three races in. Go. So, Aston has looked really good so far. Oh, yeah. I think there's going to be a performance drop off as the season goes. I think that others, as upgrades are introduced, as development continues on other cars, I think we're going to start to see folks catch them. Um, I mean, we just we just saw it in, in Australia, even in qualifying. I mean, Mercedes stepping their game up quite a bit, you know, qualifying 2-3 there, beating yeah. both Aston. So one could argue that that was track conditions because it was cooler. That's very true. Uh, there's lots of, I mean, you can talk about tarmac type and the track type and the layout, but that one, I think I think it might yo-yo between those two for a while. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but I think there is going to be a little bit of a drop-off at some point. Could be. Aston did poach a lot of really good people from other teams. They did. They just so, opened or preparing to open a $240 million yeah. facility. Lawrence Stroll with that clothing money coming in. Deep pockets, deep pockets. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think it could happen, but I think it would be cool to see them kind of stick with it all year as well. And Same. so I'd love to see on it. the tales of, of performance drop-offs and gains, I do think we're going to see McLaren start to return to that midfield battle. I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, they got double points today. Now, granted, that was due to bit of an anomaly. Bit of an anomaly. Shall we say? Yeah, I mean, there were, you know, but <laughs> several anomalies. <laughs> due to a few um on-track incidents that yeah. promote them up the up the totem pole. Oh, boy. But I do think that they will Get their shit together. They should. I mean, they have, what, like 50 sponsors on the car and a screen that rotates between Maybe them. Maybe they so need less sponsors. It's less sponsors. Not, not all that Zach weight Brown's from all charge. the sponsor stickers. This is what Zach Brown does. Oh, yeah. He's going to sign Fender tomorrow or something. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. And there are it, guitars on the wall by me, so that's Fender. They're going to replace the nose with just a Fender headstock. And that, hey, yeah. if it works, it works. It's kind of aerodynamic-ish. Now, well, the, the telly one is. The the Strat, not so much. Couldn't be worse than, than how they are now. It's, it's true. Try anything that works. We'll see. All right, and what about oh. you? We're three races in. Okay. We've texted quite a bit about this. We have. We have. I will go with uh, something uh, similar with Ashton. I have to wonder if they're doing something cheeky. Not necessarily cheating, but it, they may have found something uh, to sort of circumvent a rule, a la McLaren in 97 when they had that second brake pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't illegal, but then it was when they found it out. Right. Um, and Red Bull potentially using uh, the suspension rebound and, and, and compression to tune their ERS deploy uh, in 2013 to use almost like a traction control. That's never been proven. Yeah. Never. I don't know. That could be a thing. It could not be. But I would not be surprised. Or rather, I mean, I hope it's genuine on their part because I'd like to see a smaller team do well. And I'm not saying I wish this to happen, but I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if it did. No. Uh, but if not, if it's genuine pace, then great. My other one almost happened today. Uh, a Haas on the podium. Um 
because we saw what last year Magnussen put it on pole in Brazil. Unfortunately, it was for a sprint race, so that didn't do a whole ton right, of good due to conditions. But and the fact that like you know the car that year last year wasn't great on race pace, as is the current one. Uh, however, they're, they're struggling a little bit, but it's, they are. But today, uh, 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 not Kevin. I'm sorry, Nico. Uh, he almost started or uh, finished P4, which right. was so close to the podium. So which so, is why I believe we saw a headline that Haas was protesting the yeah, results be, of the race. I would. There. Yeah, it's a big I, points I, gap. It. It's a big points gap. And I think that, uh, well, my, my hot take today was almost canceled out. But, uh, it, I mean, Hulkenberg is on top of that car. And I'm not saying it's by any means uh, even top of the midfield. Um, but stranger things have happened. Think stranger back to happened, yeah. uh, Belgium 21 when it was totally rained out. Yep. And um, Russell put the Williams in what, P2? P2. And then yeah. they did a parade lap, which made it qualify for half points. I still call it a podium. It's still a podium. So if that happens again this year um, with uh, Haas in the top three, I wouldn't complain. Or you have, an ins- you, know, you have a race like we did today where you have seven or eight cars that don't finish. Oh. You have late safety cars. Yeah, let's say there was five more laps, you know, left before uh, sure. before Mags, you know, touched touched that wall and yeah. blew out his tire there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do get a proper restart, and you get five laps of racing. Yeah, anything can, can yeah. absolutely happen. Anything there. can happen, and often does. Yes. Which is a quote by, oh, what's uh, Murray Walker said that? Yes. So you know, keeping it all on topic here. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And so speaking of 2023, let's talk uh, real quick automotive events. And races. Uh-huh. We are really excited about. Well, so, there's one that we'll both be at. Yes, we are both hitting uh, Rensport Reunion in September. And My first time in California, and I cannot wait. Oh, yes. You're going to have a, a marvelous time. And yeah. so, if you're, a, if you're a Porsche guy, you probably know about Rensport. If you are just a fan of racing, you should still yeah. attend Rensport because the cars that you see there span... Every era of motorsports, multiple, multiple series. Uh, you I mean, get to see. Go ahead, sorry. How many? I don't know. Twenty nine seventeens running around. Yeah, yeah. When's yeah, the last yeah. time you saw that? That exactly. happened in nineteen seventy one. That's so. so wild to me that that has, that's, that happens. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I can't fantastic. wait. Oh, and and at Laguna Seca, you know, on top oh, of just, one of my favorite tracks. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, last time I, I attended in twenty eighteen and. What's wild is the first day of it, I remember walking by, they have a tent just for 959 parking. And you figure, you know, on any given day, you don't see a 959 too I often. I freak out. You freak out. Okay, so there was about 10 of them all parked there once, including a few of Canapa's 959 SCs. And I remember by the fourth day, this just the things you see, you walk by that tent, and by the fourth day, you're like, eh, it's another 959. Oh, look at that, another one. Whatever. It's, oh, like, a Toyota, it's like seeing a Toyota Prius. Super on the road. rare. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, but it's it's, it's blue and that one's red. Who yeah, cares? It doesn't even move the needle. It's just it's a wild <laughs> event. You know, it's funny actually. This is going back like ten years. Um, I was delivering wine for a wine shop in college, and there's a small little like sports car dealership in Morristown, New Jersey. And I drove by one day, and there's a 959 in the showroom. Mm-hmm. And I about cooked the brakes on this livery van, and all the wine came forward as I, t- as I just peeled a Yui and pulled in. And for about a minute, I just was like, hi, how are you doing? I just want to see this car and have a look. I said, yeah, go ahead. So I walked around it. We'll trade you six cases of <laughs> wine just to sit in it. Just <laughs> hey, let I me got, smell the I interior. Got, I got some J-Lore Cabernet. Yeah, hey. uh, but didn't work. Didn't work. Um, but uh, that was a great little, little, little snippet of my car past, uh, almost 
almost crashing a wine delivery van to see a Porsche 959. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to that. Well, you won't have to almost crash a delivery van this time <laughs> around. Never say never. Never say never. And so, I mean, as far as then also racing goes, I kind of touched on at the beginning, but uh-huh. I'm really excited for endurance racing this yes. year. Yes. Really excited yeah. to see Ferrari versus, oh my gosh, so they're going up against BMW mm-hmm. versus Cadillac. Yeah. But Cadillac Porsche. sounds awesome. Versus, oh my God, who are the two outliers? Uh, you have Van 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 Wall, the Van Wall, yeah, and you also have, I believe, Glickenhaus. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. running one or two cars at Le Mans, but I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. Really pretty looking race cars, but you have a, a wide open field here. Yeah, I mean, Toyota looked good at Sebring. They did. Uh, Porsche has some work to do. Porsche's got some work to do. I mean, they were looking good until that three car tiff with like oh, ten minutes left to go. God, but um, shit show. There go. They got some work to do, but. I mean, speaking of beautiful livery, I don't know if you if you've seen the uh, the Jota nine six three, but I'm, I'm sure oh, I have. Hold on, I look it up. Oh, it is, it's a great looking livery. But I mean, the racing this year, so far through Daytona and Sebring, has proven to be awesome. So I think as the season goes on, and Ooh. you get to have those convergence of I know the gold. Ooh. It's like Hertz meets. It's like a little bit of Hertz livery. I and think that Tom Brady is like sponsoring is. this yes. car in some yes. way. So there's a Brady sticker on the back there, oh, and I man. forgot, but it, Brady Racing or whatever. Racing guy. Yes. He has a great uh, tag Hoyer jacket like a leather jacket that i mm. want mm-hmm. it's pretty cheap so I'm, i might get it yeah, i do it yeah i should but um fine oh, looking man. car that fine looking livery oh so nice i love the headlights just oh, so yeah. cool so good so i'm excited for endurance this year you know yeah. it's, it's a callback to the olden days for there sure be some, some really good racing especially considering the fact that they're you know essentially evenly matched cars from a from a chassis standpoint but yeah. they all they use that uh uniform gearbox as well i mm-hmm. mean engines obviously are up to uh those are extra track here boxes. I they're extra track yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then chassis are. I forgot. I think it's Delara and Delara. I think. Yeah. I, I can't recall yeah, that one. But, but uh, ah, it should be some awesome racing. Yeah. I cannot wait. Oh, it's so exciting. But beyond those two things, um, I will likely be in Maine uh, for the New England Forest Rally. Nice. Uh, which I went to first in 2015 or 2016. I can't recall. Personal favorite of yours. Oh, it's great. I've been there two or three times, and uh, I, I sort of quasi volunteered. They have a program there where like you can get on a tour bus. And they take you to like, you know, multiple stages per day, which if you're just driving by yourself, you'll, you might see a stage a day. Um, but with this little tour bus program they have, uh, you can sort of sign up. They give you a, a little bit of a lunch and you see, I think, at least three or four a day. And, and, awesome. and they get you back in time for the champagne ceremony hey. to the hotel where it all takes place at. So it's a really cool time. I plan on being there. Uh, it's still tentative, but I, I do want to go. It's been several years. Uh, because it, unfortunately, it collides, no pun, with uh, IMSA every year at Lime Rock, which is also a favorite of mine, and we've been there together. Absolutely, great race. Um, even so if I, you don't, even if you don't get the hypercar class, no, there, you don't. A lot of good racing to be had in the GTD. I mean, hearing that Corvette come over the hill is just, oh yeah, and qualifying especially when I'm really, really on it, it's just goosebumps. Well, I remember it's when we went goosebumps. a few years ago, the car that actually stuck out the most to me was Lexus. Yeah, that was a really yeah. interesting exhaust. Yeah. That had the uh, the Mark Levison livery on, I think. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good car. It wasn't like not. It wasn't rotary like, but it was. It was different. It was like yeah. that same interestingly unique sound that you know a rotary cars is mm-hmm. known for. Yeah, it it, it was distinct. I, I can't recall yeah. exactly like why it sounded that way. You knew when that, and you knew when the Corvette were coming to your yeah. point. Yeah, in your chest, you feel your it. Chest. You felt you yeah. felt it before you saw it. Yeah, and the Porsches too. Yeah. They, they sound a bit more muffled now because of the, of the, the uh, turbos, but yeah, yeah. the NA version was just wild. Yeah. 
Sweet. So I, you want to just talk about the this current race that we just saw today? Absolutely. Or? Let's dive into Australia Let's a little go. bit. Let's go. Let's go. I want to go first. Go for it. Um, I, I love the excitement of that kind of a race, but then you got to sort of like rein it back in and look at it a bit more logically. And I think that this whole standing restart in the last two or three laps is not good for the sport. I understand that they're doing that for the more of the spectacle. Right. But I feel like you unwind a lot of the progress that drivers have made throughout the last 30, 40 laps. And the fact that, you know, they're, um, it makes things a bit more frantic. I don't think they'll, they'll always go like that if this rule stays. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see it. I want to see them p- perhaps extend by a lap or two and then have a safety car come in and have them do a rolling start. That, to me, is safer. You know, it's fine when you think about um, how soccer is played, and they have, you know, time added at the end there. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. stuff. Could you almost... And NASCAR. And NASCAR as well. You're right. They have almost that overtime. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, could you consider adding something like that, you know, in place of having to do the red flag and then the restart? Because I agree. I mean, you have, you know, drivers who are building up 10, 15, 20 second leads. Yeah. And you're right. It's purely for or they come to the field. They start in last. They come up to like ninth, and then they have to sort of defend and do it all over again. Right. Or in the Alpines' case, they both crash out. Yeah. <laughs> that took approximately three races oh, for God. the for, uh, for the off. fire to start. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. And there will be five. There That's will be going to be a plot line this year. That is going to be a plot. Netflix is just licking their chops oh, right they, now. They can't wait. GTS fans get ready. Oh yes, absolutely. But yeah. I mean, I think the racing was excellent. What was interesting is. You know, you put Red Bull aside for a minute and you look at some of the racing going on throughout the rest of the fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was killer. Yeah. It's yeah. Really good. There really isn't any backmarker team this year. I mean, may, maybe Alpha if I had to pick one. Um, but yeah, they, Botas does not look good through the last two races. Yeah. And I love the guy too. But I, you know, I think it's just one of those things where like, you know, there's, there's on years and off years for folks. And, um, but anyway, back to my point, like, I think there's a lot that this also might be why we saw such pandemonium is because they had two laps effectively. Uh, and there really wasn't any clear back marker car. So they were all right. really going to go for it. And again, if that happens again this year, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we'll have Bedlam once again, but I think that, uh, it's more likely now, given that we have cars that are all clustered together and doing the same times. Well, and not only that, is you had everyone going back out on brand new soft tires. Yes, there's. So so it, it became a sprint lo- race, right? It became a sp- exactly. It yeah. became a sprint race, except even in sprint races, people would tend to be a little bit more conservative, right? They know, all right, you know, if I move up two or three positions, great, but I don't want to completely be my car for yeah. for Sunday. Well, also like they. They, they got in this rhythm of being in the race for 30, 40 laps. Then they get out of the car. Then they do a race start again. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to doubt the skills of pro racing drivers, but it no, sort but it's of scrambles your, it's your, different your, your brain modes. a bit. You know, you, yeah. there, there's the... Late in the day. Know, there's late in the day. Digging, sun's in your eyes. Digging for, the, for, the, for your stint. Yeah. You know, digging for the long stint. But then there's a total different mindset of like, you know, re-engaging your reaction time. And not to say yeah. they don't do that, but like... There's that that race start mentality oh, yeah. of like you know I got let off the clutch at exactly the right time mm-hmm. and stuff so you got to break right here you got to break right here yep. and there's you know two laps to go you it's not like at the beginning of the race where okay you know if I spin off I have forty laps to make up for it this is mm-hmm. like do or die time and I mean I think it takes more time because today we have another red flag period right so when they hit that what like the two hour maximum that'll happen faster if you do these constant red flag stoppages. So my take here is if you have time left, do a rolling start after a safety car. If you don't call the results, 
because it makes it safer and because it costs teams millions of dollars to A, lose their points, and B, rebuild crash cars. Yes, absolutely. So for the spectacle, it's great, but I think I would rather have it be more practical and better for the teams to have it be a more traditional end to a race. I do agree with that. But um, we'll, we'll certainly leave that. I mean, next time around, I do want to dive in a little bit more into the FIA we as have, an organization. We've got notes. And, and as a... Uh, as a uh, yeah. as an overlord. All right, I can just do this one without even looking. Go. So this past week on Bring a Trailer. Go. Subaru 22B. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Once yeah, again, that, introduced that car through Gran Turismo. Oh, yeah. Now that, that car came from Japan, I think. I believe so. It was yeah. imported into the U.S. I think that one was sold in... It was on the West Coast. I want to say it was like Washington State or something. Yeah. Sold for two... I want to say 226. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, interestingly enough, when you look back at the history on Bring a Trailer, so I think there was one that... Sold last year uh-huh. for 314, 315. Yeah, yeah. And there was another that I think uh, bid to like 240, and this one sold for 226. So, I mean, you yeah. talk about the, the car market and stuff. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's a little bit of a dive down, but still, yeah. Almost a quarter million for a Subaru, but my God, it's worth it. One of 400. For sure. Those things were just. If I had the to money, me, I would. We can do a, a, a real deep dive on Subaru. I know we're both Subaru uh-huh. nerds and all time. But, Absolutely. Um, to me, that GC8 body style to this day is still my favorite Impreza. Love it. Love me a bug eye. Great choice. Love me a peanut. Great but choice. GC GC8. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's the OG. It's the OG. Hell yeah! All right, what about you? Bat for the week. I think you might be able to guess it. Uh, it's a 1997 Porsche 911 Turbo S with 7,000 miles, sold for 652 thousand oh dollars, which has to be a record for that generation. It must be. I don't. Even know if it is. well, so I mean, yeah, considering the even if it is generation, I mean, if you want to exclude, you know, uh, Carrera RSs and RS Club Sports and all yeah. that stuff, probably. Mm-hmm. But for an, for a turbo, yeah, turbo okay. S. I mean, Holy if smokes. it's not a record, it's got to be up there, and it's, it's a gorgeous be. car. I mean, it's black, got these yellow brake calipers, turbo S, seven thousand miles on it. Um, and as far as I understand, it's actually a pretty rare car in this country. I'm not sure that they made that many turbo S's. There weren't that many made and, in that uh, generation. Yeah, I got a buddy who happens to have a motor of a 993 Turbo S stuffed into a G body. Oh my, that yes. sounds terrifying. We'll talk about that another time. I would love There's that. There's an entire story behind that man and his machine. That sounds Ooh, fantastic. I'm, I'm trying to see on the website like how many there actually were. Of course, I should have kept this tab open on my on my laptop, but I didn't. I'll just say. Quite rare in this country, especially. The numbers were, were, not, were not super high. No, and 7,000 miles, and it looks, I mean, immaculate. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have guessed over 400,000, but it went well beyond that. So, uh, congratulations to uh, whichever Bond villain bought this car, because <laughs> you are going to love it. Yes, they certainly are. Yeah. All right, awesome. <sighs> Good well, stuff. We're, we're, we're passing the start-finish lines as a checkered flag Checkered here. flag after three red flag periods. For we had three a, red flag periods. We had a real go of it. Until this next time, keep the shiny side up. Bye.